listening to the Crop Disease Podcast, a podcast that will keep you up to date on how to manage common crop diseases faced by Australian growers. Twenty nineteen, what a year! Overall, not the best one, I'd say, but with the not so good growing conditions, also comes a bit of a silver lining. Crop diseases tend to hold back, giving you a nice break from that expensive fungicide program. Hello, it's Megan Jones from the Centre for Crop and Disease Management, and I'm your host for the Crop Disease Podcast. Also co-hosting with me today, I have CCDM Director Mark Gibbard. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks, Megan. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So in this episode, we're talking about the year that was 2019. How did that year pan out for you, Mark? Anything particularly interesting about it? Yes, it's certainly been an interesting year, Megan. And if we look out into our field trials and our field conditions, it's been a year of low disease expression right across everywhere we've been looking. For industry, yep, it's been a difficult year. There's no way to, other way to describe it. Um, and certainly overall yields uh, from this side of the country will be low and from other sides of the country, will it's, it's a severe drought in many, many places. And that's, that's deeply regrettable for people. Um, we hope that looking forward we're going to see a much better year next year. And one good thing about this kind of condition in terms of a disease perspective is that the inoculum load going forward is going to be a lot lower. So hopefully that will help to ease back on some of the disease pressures when we start to see a good year. And hopefully that will be next year coming up. Uh, for CCDM, we've been through a large restructure this year um, and we've also recruited a whole heap of new staff. So mm-hmm. I've had uh, a couple of really great trips this year. I've spent some time in Europe, in Germany uh, with Bayer and also spent some time uh, with a partner university at Perugia in Italy. Oh wow Mark, so such an action packed year wouldn't you say? Yep and Mm. I'm looking forward to putting the boots up uh, for a few days over Christmas and then getting back into it uh, with vigour for next year. Sounds fantastic. So in this episode about 2019 we've got an expert from the east side, Nick Poole from Far Australia and we've also got an expert from the west side, so that's Jeff Thomas from Deepherd. Let's start with Jeff first. Jeff is a plant pathologist from Deepherd and has been a plant pathologist for at least 25 years. He is very well known here in WA as a bit of a guru on cereal diseases. Should we take a listen to what he has to say about the 2019 season? Yep, let's do that. I'm really looking forward to hearing it. Okay, great. Let's listen. Hi, uh, Jeff Thomas speaking. Oh, hello, Jeff. It's Megan Jones here from the CCDM. How are you? Good, thank you, Megan. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. How have you been since I last spoke to you in the beginning of the year? Has anything changed? Yeah, look, I've maybe a little bit more grey hair, um, but, uh, <laughs> but but no, uh, no it's uh, we've had a we've had an interesting an interesting uh, growing season, and um, we're we're just in the process of uh, obviously putting together our our results from the year. Oh my gosh! So lots of reporting going on at the minute. Absolutely. So. From your many trips into the WA wheat belt over the 2019 season, how do you think the season has panned out for growers this year? Oh, look, it's, it's an interesting question. And and, and um, I've been speaking with some of my colleagues uh, within Deepherd just about about uh, how the season's gone. And, and our thought, generally, the season's been pretty challenging. Obviously, we've had lower than average rain, rainfall in a lot of a lot of regions. And, um, and the timing of that rain has been variable. So... A lot of crops emerged you know, significantly later than usual um, due to that sort of widespread late break. And then obviously uh, rainfall sort of drives inoculum production on stubble um, and drives crop growth, 
drive infection opportunities and and those disease favourable conditions. So from a crop disease point of view, I guess this rainfall year has meant that many diseases weren't really as damaging or as common as, as in some of the previous seasons. We've seen, I mean, there's still been diseases around and, and certainly in, in, in some crops that's required, you know, fungicide intervention. Um, but, but in a lot of cases, and I guess particularly in, in some of the areas in the northern ag region, the crops have been below par and, and in, in a lot of situations, disease management hasn't really been needed. So how do you think growers across WA went with managing crop disease then, those that got hit with disease? Yeah, look, um, I guess at the start of the season, um, one of the, the concerns was that in a lot of regions there was a lot of uh, spot form net blotch in crops, particularly in those uh, continuous barley crops. And disease levels in, in young crops were certainly at worrying levels. And we got, we got a number of uh, inquiries about, about that disease in continuous barley crops. I mean, I guess the anecdotal evidence this year is that it would suggest that um, crops that had had some upfront fungicide protection, so, you know, some seed dressing or in furrow uh, registered that disease, had lower levels of disease and particularly at early growth stages than some of the, the unprotected crops. So there seemed to be, at least in some cases, a, a benefit from that approach. Yeah, so you're quite impressed with the way growers managed disease this year then? Um, they're quite adaptive, do you think? Yeah, look, I think I think what's I mean, and as we would expect, as I said, you know, in a, in a year where in a year where um, maybe the season wasn't conducive for a lot of diseases, I think that the I think the, the growers have um, and their and their advisors obviously have looked for ways in which they can um, reduce the inputs needed for managing diseases and, and and made decisions around what the risk is for some of those diseases, what the yield potential of their crops are and, and whether there's a return on investment to, to actually be had from from coming in to manage diseases. So yes, I think in cases there have been, you know, growers have been making uh, decisions to, that they're not going to get a benefit necessarily from, from disease management. Oh, that's great news. And did you see any growers managing their diseases any different from usual, like any different kind of stories going around? Well, again, I think maybe one of those is that growers choosing where they may have been just applying fungicide prophylactically in crop, I think um, choosing not to apply fungicide has been a difference. And I guess what we've seen also is that, say, in barley, we've seen a shifting in the in the variety spectrum. And so we've probably seen that some of the diseases like leaf rust and powdery mildew and even, even loose smut, um, which, which have been quite dominant over the past, say, 10 years, have become this season were less important and probably that's altered the target for what people are choosing to manage in those crops. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you think growers need to worry about stubble management or managing the green bridge next season, given we don't see super high disease pressure anywhere? Yes, basically. <laughs> um, so look, as, as we know, um, to manage managing diseases is by adding up all the components of a of a disease management integrated approach, and certainly managing the risk associated with inoculum is an important component of managing the disease risk for a season. For many of these diseases, our our varieties are, are relatively susceptible on the whole, and so therefore we know that reducing or avoiding inoculum is an important component of managing the disease risk, and even though Potentially, the level of disease carried over may be less um, from this season. We know that 
um, if we were to have a green bridge leading into next season, that diseases like rusts, that diseases like powdery mildews um, would certainly be at a higher a higher risk potential. And in terms of those stubble-borne diseases, absolutely we know that any level of inoculum on stubble, if, if you're confronting that with a susceptible variety, is obviously going to be a significant risk. And so remembering that rotation and stubble management are really important components of an integrated approach are still really important, yes. Yeah, yeah. growers should keep them in mind then. Um, so growers are probably harvesting right now while they listen to this. So is there any final messages you'd like to, would you like them to take away and think over for the coming season? Yeah, I guess the thing, now's the time when you're thinking about seed and now's the time to know what the strengths and weaknesses of, your, of, the, of the variety that you're choosing is. And then now's the time to be planning uh, what do we need to do to reduce the disease pressure on those susceptible varieties? Where does that variety need to be grown? Um, which which variety is most suitable for paddocks that have got stubble in them? Do we need to be uh, using an upfront fungicide on some varieties given the disease risk inherent in that variety? Remembering that if they're planning to use a, a seed dressing fungicide or a in-furrow fungicide, that that's actually the first shot of fungicide in their fungicide program. Um, so, yeah, whilst they're thinking about the variety, thinking about what the strengths and weaknesses disease-wise of that variety is and, and allowing them to now start to plan what paddocks are best for that variety and what management might be needed for that variety in the coming year. Yeah, very good, Jeff. Sounds good to me. Um, well, let's wrap up this podcast interview here. Um, yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show and I hope you have a lovely Christmas break and, um, yeah, we'll hopefully speak to you again in the new year. Sound okay? Wonderful. And we're looking forward to a, a new and exciting year next year with, with, hopefully, with hopefully some some great uh, growing conditions in, in 2020. Yeah, I think so. I think um, everyone around Australia should have a really good year next year. Don't you think that's a good idea? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, thanks, Jeff. Okay, thanks. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. So that was Jeff Thomas. I thought it was interesting how he talked about a shift in the way growers are managing disease, with less of them applying fungicide prophylactically and more choosing not to apply fungicide unless really needed. This is good news, isn't it, Mark? It's very good news, Megan, and I do agree uh, with, with Jeff. It's been the year of the Bailey disease in Western Australia this year, and certainly going right back at the very start of the year, you could clearly see um, where people had or hadn't used um, seed treatments, and then you could clearly see where the need for fungicide timing was occurring either early or mid in the season. Um, it is great news to hear that people are starting to make much more tactical decisions around the application of fungicides. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. And he also talked about the shift in the variety spectrum and how diseases such as the powdery mildews and rust are just not as dominant as they used to be thanks to the release of resistant varieties. So this means growers can focus on other diseases such as net blotches and sclerotinia. Do you think that one day there will be variety resistance for these diseases as well, Mark? Yes, Megan, I think uh, the good news is I'm confident that in the future there will be new varieties that have higher level of resistance to spot and net form of net blotch um, and quite likely also that we'll see new varieties that have at least partial resistance to sclerotinia and that might be a bit more of a long-term goal. So CCDM, along with uh, in partnership with GRDC, uh, has a large investment in genetic improvement for crop disease uh, resistance or tolerance. And what we do is we go out and we look initially 
to see whether we can find genetic variation in amongst existing varieties or in some of the more distant cousins for uh, resistant varieties. When we see genetic variation and we identify that um, there is the potential for genetic improvement, then we seek to understand the basis of that. And that can be quite detailed uh, molecular biology. And when we understand the basis for that genetic, those genetic differences, we have the capacity then to develop the tools for breeders and we can integrate some of that genetic material into more uh, current um, germplasm that is used by the, the breeders to develop new varieties. But it's always a moving feast. And Jeff's quite right in the sense that we're seeing less pressure from powdery mildew and rust at the moment. Um, it doesn't mean it's always going to stay that way. Um, and one thing about pathogens is that they have this incredible capacity to overcome resistance. It is a constant arms race between the genetics of the host, the management solutions that we might be able to bring to the table, and the way that the pathogen responds in itself. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's so true, Mark. So next up, actually, let's move on to the next interview. We're going to hear from Nick Poole. He is the Managing Director at Far Australia over in Victoria. Nick has worked with us on a number of projects, hasn't he, Mark? Yes, he has, Megan. And like Jeff, both of these guys bring a wealth of field experience to the table. So for a group uh, like CCDM, whether it be in our fungicide resistance program or in our genetic improvement work, having the involvement of Nick and Jeff in our research really helps to translate that to meaningful outcomes with people. So we're very thankful for their involvement and also for their perspective that they bring to the table. Yeah, absolutely. And Nick and I spoke about the last season for the high rainfall zones of Victoria, Tasmania and South Australia. Are you ready to listen to our chat? Yes, let's do that. Okay, let's listen. Hi there, Nick Poole speaking. Oh, hello, Nick. It's Megan Jones from the CCDM. How are you? Very well, Megan. And yourself? Yeah, I'm doing very well, thank you. Getting ready for Christmas and everything, so it's been a bit busy. Good, yes. Well, I haven't even thought of Christmas yet, so yeah. you're way ahead of me. <laughs> I've got to be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> so, you work in the high rainfall zones of South Australia, Victoria and Tasmania. Uh, can you give us your take on how the season has panned out over your way? Generally speaking, uh, in contrast to the fortunes further north in, in New South Wales and in, in Queensland, we've been particularly fortunate in uh, in the high rainfall zone this year. Uh, across the zone, and there is a line that's drawn in South Australia, it has to be accepted, but um, we haven't been as affected by drought, and our prospects for harvest um, at present look good. Yeah, very good, Nick. Yeah. Um, so, given that this, how the season has gone, um, how did growers go with managing crop diseases? In wheat crops, uh, Septoria triticide blotch, which has been a disease that we've uh, seen a resurgence of probably since 2010, that disease is still um, probably one of our most significant diseases. In wheat, and although we've had outbreaks of striped rust, and uh, now in the later part of the season, leaf rust, Septoria triticide, we've noted again this year as being the one of the principal diseases in wheat. One of the things that we noted, and we're receiving a number of calls on this year, which. Uh, still took some understanding was that we're seeing 
the disease spread further in South Australia into parts of the Air Peninsula, some of them being uh, areas with quite low yield potential, yet still registering this wet weather disease. So, and in barley net form of net blotch, um, and perhaps more localised uh, issues with scold have been some of the dominant features, particularly where crops have been sown early or have been sown in rotation positions such as barley on barley. So Nick, you mentioned um, septoria tridisi blot. Are there any particular aspects of this disease that make it problematic? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Megan, and, and the principal one is that it has a long latent phase. So what this means is after the leaf has been infected, the disease can remain latent or hidden from, from you as the grower or advisor for an exceptionally long period of time. Now, we quite often quote this period as three to four weeks. Uh, however, under warmer conditions, it actually can be quicker than that, and in the winter months, it can be much slower. One of the ways to think about the disease, perhaps differently in terms of the length of its latent phase, might be to consider this fact. You can have the emergence of at least two leaves before the infection expresses itself. So the crop can give rise to two new leaves on the main stem by the time the infection occurs. That means that very often growers can look at their crop thinking it's clean when in fact it's infected. Very interesting. Yeah, thanks for that, Nick. Did you notice any grower management strategies that really stuck out to you this season? Uh, Getting our fungicide timing is still key to getting the best disease management results where popular varieties sort of take hold and uh, um, pathogens across the region tend to tune in to these varieties, so to speak. So fungicide timing has again been important. I think where um, there's a wider range of uh, variety choices being used we're again seeing that uh, there's large differences between uh, cultivars in terms of their expression of disease if we've uh, opted for more resistant options. Mm -hmm. And sometimes these resistant options are not fully resistant, but perhaps just um, have a more moderate susceptibility. And those small differences apparently in rating make quite large differences in the field. And I think the other factor is where crops are sown early, this aspect of choosing cultivars with greater resistance uh, takes on increased importance. Yeah, excellent. So did you notice growers were actually taking up uh, varieties that had better resistance and were using better fungicide timing last year as well? It depends on the region, uh, Megan, because obviously some varieties are particularly popular. If we take, for example, Scepter in South Australia, this is an extremely popular variety that's delivering for growers. 
But unfortunately, it's quite susceptible to septoriatory side blotch. And therefore, in those scenarios, we're uh, noticing growers reporting on the importance of their fungicide timings in order to actually get control of the disease. In other regions where we're perhaps looking at different options um, with regards to uh, cultivar, we are much more clearly seeing uh, the differences that growers are picking up between uh, resistant and more susceptible cultivars. Oh, very good, Nick. So the last time I interviewed you, you gave your top three tips for disease management going into the 2019 season. So you might remember these. These were um, know your disease risk for your rotation, monitor your crops, and understand the importance of fungicide timing. Do these three tips still hold true for the going into the next season? Uh, absolutely, Megan. They, they are three core um, tips that I think uh, growers and advisors need to take on. And if I may, I'd, I'd, I'd love to uh, just m- modify and tweak them slightly <laughs> because of those things that I think we've noted in these last couple of seasons. And that is that, you know, knowing your disease risk for your rotation, try uh, take on board that the fact that Rotation position is a key ingredient of being able to reduce your disease pressure. So the minute you put a barley on barley um, or a wheat on top of a wheat crop, it's going to increase your disease risk. So, And I think as well as knowing your disease risk for your rotation position, it's vitally important that you know your cultivar ratings. Pin them on the office board, make sure you know what your cultivar is susceptible to in your region. And when it comes to monitoring those crops and understanding the importance of fungicide timings, be aware that the key period for controlling disease, if you have to, with foliar disease fungicides, so those that work through the foliage, the key period to do that is from growth stage 30, the start of stem elongation, through to head emergence. That's the key period to monitor your crops intensively and to consider fungicide timings because those are the key periods where the leaves that are so important for grain fill are actually emerging in the crop. Yeah, absolutely. No, that sounds really good to me, Nick. Um, Well, let's uh, wrap up this interview now. Um, Thank you so much for coming on today. And um, yeah, I hope you do start to think about Christmas soon and you can have a bit of a break over the next few weeks. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank, thank you very much, Megan, for the opportunity to speak to you. Yes. No, thanks very much, Nick. Talk to you again soon, hopefully. Okay. Okay. Bye. Yeah, bye. Well, I thought it was interesting how Septoria triticide blotch is becoming quite the problem, starting to spread in areas such as the Eyre Peninsula. Mark, do you think it could very well become a problem in WA too? It's interesting, Megan. Uh, 
yes, possibly. It, it could become a problem in Western Australia. And we're aware that there are occasional reports uh, of this pathogen, particularly down around Esperance and the south coast uh, of the WA wheat belt. Um, we also know that pathogens can emerge quite rapidly and change very quickly and catch us a little bit by surprise. So it's one of those ones that we want to keep an eye out for and, and certainly be aware that it could be there. But I'll give you an example going into perhaps a different type of industry. So in about 1999, I was working heavily with the grapevine industry, uh, mostly on the Murray Darling, and we became aware that grapevine downy mildew was making itself known. In fact, we'd known that downy mildew had been around on occasion just every so often uh, over previous years. But by the end of the 2001 season, it was absolutely everywhere across the entire wine industry in Australia. And that's a very, very rapid change in terms of the presence and the dominance of that particular disease in that particular industry. Now, it probably didn't spread that quickly. It had probably been there for quite some time, but the changes in the chemistry that had occurred and the changes in the fungicide use that occurred in the years perhaps from 97 onwards had led to the development of more ideal conditions for that particular pathogen to start to, to dominate. Um, and now it's become quite a major issue for the industry to deal with. So coming back to Septoria triticae, we never ignore it. Uh, we're always on the lookout for it. Um, and the possibility is just through its own changes or maybe through new introductions um, from its points of origin uh, into Western Australia or in, into broader Australia and the movement of material around Australia, we could see that disease become more widespread with time. Yeah, let's hope not though. So over the years, we've talked a lot about all the strategies to manage disease, but listening to both Nick and Jeff together, I noticed three key strategies that really stand out as perhaps more important than all others. And these are using resistant varieties, crop rotation, and getting fungicide timing right. Do you think these might be the ultimate top three strategies, Mark? Spot on, Megan, and I'd add one more to that, and that's the need to rotate modes of action of fungicides um, in your spray program. And if we break it down and think a little bit about the biology that's going on behind this, what happens is we're putting selection pressure on the fungus whenever we're applying any form of treatment. So that might be a resistant variety, it might be a fungicide, or it might be an agronomic, a broader agronomic practice like crop rotation. And if you don't keep the fungus on its toes, if you keep a consistent level of pressure upon it, because it is rapidly evolving in many, many cases, this isn't all pathogens, but most, because you're applying a selection pressure, you will see adaptation from that pathogen over time. So the key message there across all four of these areas is change. Okay. When we hold things constant, if we use a constant, particularly a sensitive variety, if we use a constant type of fungicide, if we're using constant agronomic practice, then again, you're providing the ideal conditions for the pathogen to adapt. And that's when you're going to see larger problems start to emerge. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to wrap up this episode, actually, with some good key messages there, Mark. So thanks for that. So, um, yeah, thanks very much for co-hosting with me today. I hope you'll come back and join me in the studio again in the new year. Absolutely, Megan, and I'm looking forward to it. And I just hope that everybody out there listening has a great break, uh, gets yeah. refreshed for next year, um, and that arms race will continue. Um, sure and will. we hope to be more and more in front of it with each year. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. So if you have a crop disease topic that you'd like us to cover, then let us know. 
You can follow and let us know on Twitter at the CCDM. You can also sign up to our blog and get more information just like this at ccdm.com.au. Well, that's all for now. You'll hear from us in the new year for more crop disease discussions. It's going to be good. So see you then. This podcast is brought to you by the Centre for Crop and Disease Management, a national centre co-supported by Curtin University and the Grains Research and Development Corporation. 